Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's such an honor to share this morning um, this word. My message this morning really has been birthed out of some of my greatest struggles and challenges. And the topic that I'm gonna be talking about has probably been the hardest lesson for me to learn, yet it has brought the most amount of transformation and breakthrough in my life. So I guess you could say this is a message like, I I wish I had heard this 10 years ago kind of message. (laughs) So I encourage you to lean in because maybe you won't have to struggle as much as I did. Let's just hope, okay? You'll have a little more peace and transparency in your life than I did. All right. So the title of my message is The Power of Surrender. We're going to be talking this morning around what it looks like to surrender to Almighty God. So any A-type personality types in the room? Can I say, oh, yeah, okay, love you guys. Okay, there's probably an official definition for what an A-type personality type person is, but I like to define it as someone who has a plan, always, and really, 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 really likes things to go according to their plan, right? Can I get an amen to all y'all who raised your hand? Yes. That's the best definition for A-typers. Okay, so I am a very A-type personality, born that way, like came right out that way. So I, growing up, I was a high achiever. I was a straight-A student. I was an athlete. When I moved here to San Diego when I was just 17 years old, I worked three jobs, and I still woke up at 6 a.m. and went for runs every morning. I had a strict diet. And all that time, I thought I was just like the epitome of health and discipline. And now I look back and I realize I was totally in bondage to a spirit of control and fear. (laughs) That's what all of that was really all about. So 10 years ago, I came to Awaken and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and began my freedom and healing journey. And I discovered that a huge, huge key to my freedom and blessing in er every area of my life was surrender. Releasing control to God in every area of my life and allowing him to move in my life. I noticed that when I surrendered something, bam, the power of God would hit it. I was like, oh, and another, a miracle. And then I'd like surrender the next thing, boom, power of God would hit it. And it was like another miracle. I was like, okay, I'm seeing a pattern here. So I realized that surrender preceded miracles in my life. And the reason is because it surrender positions our heart and aligns our heart with heaven and, and aligns us with heaven's agenda so that we can really receive from heaven. So it's such a key to our breakthrough. Many of us, without realizing it, we're actually trying to subconsciously control and manipulate the hand of God in our lives. I did this for years. I did this for years through religious actions, through my prayers. I was actually trying to control God and and have him do my will on planet Earth. In our hearts, we're pridefully asserting our will to the God of the universe and telling him how to do his 
job. And we end up treating God like he's a genie in a bottle, like he's there to do my three wishes, like come and do my three wishes and then go away now. You know, we like storm into the throne room with our lists and our agendas. We're like, hello, God of the universe. It's 2023 now. I just came in here to tell you all the miracles you will be doing in my life this year. I have it all written down, all the necessary details. Everything is color-coded, so you won't get confused this year, okay, God? And by the way, I have faith in you that you will do all of this for me, right? I mean, anyone prayed a little bit like that? That was me. For years, for years and years, we say we're operating in faith, but we're not. We're operating in pride. And the root is that we really don't believe that his plan for us is better than our own plan for ourselves. So we don't trust him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. We have to understand that God's plans for us are exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask, imagine, or even think. Now, a real quick clarification that's also very important is I am not advocating for lazy Christianity in this message, okay? It's a big pet peeve of mine, okay? So I'm not talking about sitting on the sidelines just being like, okay, God, you're gonna do everything, right? Like, I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing. We're not, that's not what I'm talking about. God asks for our participation in his will on planet Earth. We all have a kingdom assignment and we are responsible for fulfilling our kingdom assignment on this earth. The key is that we have to make sure that we are doing his will and we are moving his kingdom forward. Not that we are doing our will and we are establishing our kingdom, our own personal little kingdom. Okay, so what is surrender? Let's just start with the basics. I love the definition of surrender. Surrender is to cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and to submit to their authority. So we're going to read that again. To cease resistance. Everyone say cease resistance. To cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit. Everyone say submit submit to their authority. You know, when I first read this dictionary definition, the very first thing that popped into my mind as the perfect analogy for this very thing is swim training my three children. Okay. So we have a pool in our backyard. We have three children. We have a pool in our backyard, and although it is fenced, we've been very diligent about making sure that from the time they can walk, they are all safe around the pool. They can float. So um, we've had them every May, every year, they go through this survival swim training course. And all three of our kids have very different personality types. They're kind of all over the map. But the pattern of swim training is identical for all of them every year. Okay, so the very first few days, they're like freaking out. They're screaming. Our oldest is like a fighter, so she's like trying to claw the instructor and trying to bite him like the whole time. They're freaking out. They're screaming because they're out of control. They don't have control over their environment anymore, and they're uncomfortable. They're being put in a situation where they don't feel like they have control, and they're uncomfortable. And so they're just like freaking out. And all of a sudden, one day, it's a different time with each one, but all of a sudden, one day, they just stop screaming, stop freaking out, and they submit to the authority of the instructor. He says, I swim to the wall, I swim to the wall. He says, I swim back, I swim back. You see, they realized at a certain point, a light bulb went on, like, this instructor's trying to help me. This instructor's 
good. And if I submit to this process, it goes much better for me. This whole thing goes much better when I just comply and move forward with the instructor. And then fast forward like two days from that, they are loving their lives. They are like pumped out of their mind. They are like swim extraordinaire fish. It, I mean, they're just like swimming nonstop. We can't get our kids out of the pool ever because this whole world, this whole new world was opened up to them because they submit, they ceased resistance and they submit to the authority of the instructor. The key is that at a certain point, they recognize the instructor has a good plan for me. The instructor's trying to help me learn something. I should submit. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The root is to trust in God. To submit to God, we first have to trust him. Surrender is a heart posture. It's having a heart of faith and trust in God so that we release control, we cease resistance, and we submit to God in our lives. And we know that Jesus was the perfect example of this. Jesus' prayer was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Why was Jesus' ministry so unbelievably powerful? Everywhere he went, miracles, signs, and wonders. Because he was so unbelievably submit to the agenda and the heart of the Father. His goal was, your kingdom come, your will be done. And he had none of his own agenda. He had none of his own selfishness. I don't know about you guys, but I want to have a ministry like Jesus. I do. I would love to. I've just got to work on surrender. I've got to work on surrendering my heart to Jesus. So we're going to look at four specific areas this morning that we need to learn to operate with a heart of humility and surrender, yielding to the will of God in these areas. So the first is we have to learn to surrender the person. We've got to learn to surrender the person. And there's no, there's no story in scripture that, that better describes the idea of surrendering a person than the story of Jochebed. Jochebed was Moses' mother, and we find her story in Exodus 2. And for those of you that, that don't know, um, this was set in a time where the Jews were in bondage. They were slaves in Egypt. And um, there was just a lot of oppression, and the pharaoh was worried that the Jews were going to rise up. So the Pharaoh went and, and was asking to have all the babies killed, all the baby boys. And Jochebed, here's Jochebed. She has a mother's heart, and she gives birth to this baby boy, and she keeps him safe for three months, and then she recognizes, I can no longer keep him safe. And so she builds a basket. She puts him in the River Nile. And although in Exodus, we don't actually have the uh, um, Jochebed prayer, like we have a Hannah's prayer, we have a few prayers. I imagine, I'm a mom, so I imagine her prayer when she put her sweet, precious, three-month-old baby boy in that basket was something maybe like this. God of the universe, living, breathing God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I know that you are a good God. I know that you love your children, and I know you love this precious baby boy, and I surrender him by faith. I surrender him this morning. God, I trust that you will not only allow him to survive, but that he will thrive. That you will not only keep him safe, but that you will commission your angels to watch over him. You see, by faith, 
She surrendered her baby boy and exactly that same, that beautiful prayer came to pass. Moses not only survived, but he thrived and he set all the Jews free. Moses' mother had such faith in God that she was fully willing to surrender him to the will of God. The reality is that we cannot change someone's heart, friends. We cannot. All we can do is control and manipulate behavior. But we can't actually change a heart. But God can. God can. So whoever you're struggling with, whatever person that's burdening you, someone in your family, someone in your workplace maybe even, that you've been trying to control or rescue, it's time to surrender that person. It's time to release that person at the altar. Only God can supernaturally move on someone's behalf and perform a miracle. One of my most powerful God encounters that I will always remember was nine and a half years ago when I first became a mom and had my first child. Now, I am gonna throw Jonathan slightly under the bus in this story, but he, he I has my permission, or I have his permission, but, and, and disclaimer, he is a fantastic husband, great father, all the things, okay? He really is, all the, all the things. He has made up for this moment. He has really made up for this moment. But, you know, it was the first child labor, so it was like this horrendously long labor, all the pushing, all the things, all the drama, right? We had been up for like, I don't know, three days, it felt like, at least, at least over two days. I'm in this hospital room, here, finally have this baby. I am so exhausted, and he's like, just zonks out on the couch, like zonks out. And so I'm like trying to wake him up, like, John, I'm yelling at him. I started throwing stuff at him. I'm trying so bad because I'm like, I need help. He is like done. Like he is like out like a light. And so I'm just like breakdown. I have never been more physically, emotionally, spiritually drained in my whole life. And who knows that obviously in that state, I would be vulnerable to an attack from the devil. Devil waits for us to be vulnerable. And then he, he likes to attack. And how does he attack? Intrusive thoughts because he wants us to come into agreement with one of those intrusive thoughts. So all of a sudden, I'm bawling, I have no help, I've got this baby, la, 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 and all these horrible thoughts start just flooding my mind, like, you're going to be a terrible mom. What made you think you could be a mom? You're not going to be able to keep her safe. She's going to, la, 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 all this horrible, 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 just like flood my mind. But thank God, I had a relationship with Jesus, and I said, God, out loud, because goodness knows he was asleep, I said, God... Help me. I was so at my wit's end, and I heard so clearly the voice of God. He's so beautiful. He just comes like a whisper. He's like, Teresa, if you try to control her, you will never have a good relationship with your daughter. But if you surrender her to me, I will keep her safe. And in that moment, I'm weeping. I made a covenant with God. It was a covenant. I made a beautiful covenant with God. I gave him my daughter. I said, God, you are God. You have legions of angels at your beck and call. I trust you with the most precious person in my entire life now. I trust that not a hair will fall from her head without you authorizing it, God. And I did the same thing with our other two kids. As soon as they were born, I made a covenant with God. And can I tell you that God has moved mightily 
God, I mean, they've all experienced physical healing. They've all seen angels. Like, they have had encounters with God. They love God. And I know, I have every confidence in my being that God has supernaturally protected them many times in their life. He has moved, and heaven has moved on their behalf because we surrendered the person. Who do you need to surrender today? What person do you need to surrender? Point number two, we need to surrender the problem. We will face problems, guys. I hate to say it, but it's true. We will face problems in this life, and I'm not talking about practical problems because practical problems have practical resolution. So if it's a practical problem, take responsibility and fix it. Okay, so we're not talking about practical problems right now. What I'm talking about are problems that only God can solve. (laughs) Problems that are outside of our control. Physical healing problems, mental healing problems, relationship problems, financial problems outside of money management and budgeting. Problems that are outside of our control. So when we face problems, I've, I've been in pastoral care now for many, many years, so I think I could write a book on problems and, and what happens when people, when people face problems. So I didn't, I, I'm just coming, this is just from my own experience. This is what I have found most people do when they face problems. First thing is they try to control it, fix it, and manage it. No problem, I got this, let me fix it. I'm, I got solutions, 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 solutions. Then when that doesn't work out, they tend to go into like hide shame mode where it's like, I don't have a problem, I have no problems what are you talking about problems like no everything's nothing to see here everything's good it's all it's all fine and then if that still doesn't work the third and final what I find people do is that they actually self-identify with their problems and they attach their I am to it and they say I am sick I am depressed I am mentally ill and then they build their identity and they attach their identity to a problem instead of, it's not who they are, it's a problem that they're actually facing. So the first thing we have to do is we have to break agreement. We've gotta come out of agreement with those problems. If an agreement's been made, we've gotta break that agreement. That's not who I am. That is a problem that I have been facing, but it is not who I am. It does not define me. It is not my identity. The healthy way to respond to a problem that's beyond our control is to surrender that problem to the Lord. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. So even if you don't get an instantaneous miraculous solution, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you surrender the problem, bam, it is immediately miraculously resolved. Sometimes there's a process that you've got to walk it out, but at least you can have peace. At least you can walk out the process in peace knowing that God has, is taking care of it. He's working it out. The reality is that faith does not deny or ignore problems. That's actually unbelief. A spirit of unbelief will cause us to deny or ignore problems. Genuine faith faces the problem and says, oh, I see you problem, but my God is bigger. I know you're there, but the blood of Jesus is sufficient for you. You see, when we have real faith, we know what Jesus did on the cross, that his action, his work on the cross was complete. 
By his death and resurrection, he actually created a supernatural solution to every single problem that we could ever face in our entire life. So we don't have to worry. We serve the king of kings. So our job is to surrender the problem and to pick up a promise. So we bring the physical illness and we surrender and we pick up by his stripes. I'm healed and we walk away. And we bring the mental illness and we pick up. God did not give me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. We walk away. We surrender the trauma and disappointment. We pick up all things work together for good. And so we can focus on the promise. It's by faith that we receive the promise when we surrender the problem. So the altar becomes a place of exchange where heaven can move. What problem do you need to surrender today? The third point is we need to surrender the pain. We need to surrender the pain. Unsurrendered pain turns into bitterness and resentment. And medicine is just now catching up to Bible in this because the Bible has been saying for a, a long time what pent-up pain does. It causes disease. It causes sickness. And just now, they're actually finding that that is 100% true, that a lot, not all, but a lot of sicknesses and diseases are actually tied to pent-up trauma, bitterness, and offense that was pain that was not surrendered appropriately. But when we learn to surrender our pain, our disappointments, and our grief, we can receive healing and restoration. You see, we talk often about the healing power of God, and that is so true. God is a healer, but we talk less often about the miracle of restoration. I want to talk a little bit about the miracle of restoration this morning. See, to heal means to become healthy or sound again. And the world will tell you, if you go to a psychiatrist or therapist, they'll tell you that, yes, you can be healed. You can get functional again, but they will tell you you will never be the same as before that pain and trauma took place. Restoration, on the other hand, is the action of returning something to its former condition. And in Jeremiah 30, 17, it says, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Our God is a God of restoration. Our God has restoration power. Did you know that you could have joy as though that trauma never took place? Did you know that you could have peace as though that incident never happened? Did you know that you could have your innocence restored? What a wicked thing to steal someone's innocence. And yet it is our enemies. It is one of his most used and horrific tactics. But our God is a God who restores innocence. I have heard testimonies, powerful testimonies of people who have endured a horrific incident and trauma, and yet God fully restored their innocence as though that thing never, ever happened. It's a miracle. And I believe, as I was preparing this message, I believe, I heard God so many times say, I will restore them. I will restore their peace, their joy, their innocence. I believe this morning, there will, we will experience the miracle of restoration, friends. It's by faith that we receive restoration. I experienced this in my own life. I, six years ago, 
Um, my husband and I, we had had our oldest child, and she was two at that time, so we thought, let's have another one. Great. So we went, we, we got pregnant right away, and we went to the doctors, and there was no heartbeat. And so it was very traumatic and painful, and unfortunately, in that same calendar year, that happened three times. There, I, we had three miscarriages in a row. And I had never experienced that level of grief, the trauma, the anxiety and fear, the pain was so deep. So we decided, you know, we're going to put our plans on the shelf and we're just going to spend time with the Lord. And so I went through, I was so committed to the journey. I was like, this is not going to take me out. I will be restored. I am going to be put back to my former self. And so I went through a few months of just fasting and, and prayer and um, got some beautiful prayer and deliverance. And it was really, really powerful. One day, um, kind of at the end of that journey, I had some time with the Lord in the morning. And he told me to read Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, which, say, which says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And then God's so beautiful because then he showed me this beautiful image of this blonde, curly-haired little girl, like blonde ringlets with piercing blue eyes. So beautiful. And I knew exactly what he was telling me. He was telling me, Teresa, if you are willing to surrender all the pain, to stop dwelling on it, stop thinking about it, stop mulling it over, but just lay it at the altar. I'm going to bring you into a new season. I will fulfill your hope. I will fulfill your joy. So again, I had an encounter with God. I surrendered everything at the altar, all that pain, trauma, anxiety, and I knew God had done us a work of restoration in my heart. We got pregnant, and a few months later, we had our beautiful Nova Joy. Can we see the photo, guys? Look at her. I mean, how cute is she? Come on. She is so beautiful. Exactly what I saw. God, God showed her to me before she was even conceived. How beautiful is God? And can I tell you, like, honestly, honestly and truthfully, that pregnancy was fun. I was filled with joy. I was not traumatized. I was not in fear. I had so much joy in that pregnancy knowing that she, that God was going to provide because God had done a miracle of restoration. Friends, our God is a God who restores. What pain, what disappointment, what offense do you need to lay at the altar today, friends? All right, my last point is we need to surrender the promise. Wait a second, Teresa. You told me to pick up the promise. I'm confused. Let me explain. Let me explain. I got you. I got you. Okay. So one of the Bible stories in Scripture that, if I'm being honest, really used to bother me until I had an accurate revelation around it was the story in Genesis 22, the story of God coming to Abraham and telling him to sacrifice Isaac. Like, I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? This guy has waited over a century for this promised child, and now you came, and you're saying he's got to sacrifice him at the altar. I mean, that just seems kind of messed up. But then I did a study in Hebrews, and I discovered what's really going on in this story. In Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him. Everybody say tested 
tested him, sacrificed, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that even God could raise the dead. Now, thank God, Abraham did not sacrifice his son. Nobody got hurt in this story. Okay, nobody got hurt. What was happening, this is so powerful, you guys. What was happening is God was testing Abraham to see, do you still trust in me or do you trust in the promise? Do you still trust in the God of the promise or have you turned your faith to the promise? Do you still trust in the blessor or do you trust in the blessing? See, I believe Abraham knew exactly what was going on. I think he had seen a pattern with God. I mean, he's the father of faith. He had walked in faith with God for over a hundred years. And I think he knew exactly what was going on because he had seen a pattern. You see, God would bless him and then he would test him. He would bless him with more and then he would test him. And guys, because Abraham passed the test, God blessed him even greater. Genesis 22, 15 through 19 says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and with, have not withheld your son, your only son, because you surrendered the promise, Abraham, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, God was trying to get more to Abraham, but first he had to test his heart. Could he handle it? You see, Abraham was such a man of faith. He knew the character of God and his faith was firmly and immovably on his heavenly father. He knew that God could even raise Isaac from the dead. God will not bless us beyond what our maturity and our character can handle because he's a loving father. I mean, imagine if I gave my nine-year-old daughter a new cell phone, a new car, and a mansion tomorrow. She's nine. She'd be wrecked. She'd be like, she doesn't know how to handle it. She can't manage it, right? That wouldn't be a loving thing for a parent to do. The reality is that as we walk with God, we all have a tendency as God begins to bless us to turn to self-reliance and to manage God right out of our lives. Like there was a day when all of us were down at this altar fully surrendered. We're like, God, I got nothing. Take all of me. I got nothing. I need you to move. You got to do something, God, because we had nothing. But then, you know, now we've got the bank accounts and we got the things and the relationships and the titles and the business. Like, God, I'm good now. I don't really need you so much. Like, it's all okay. So the question is, can God trust you with more blessing? That really all depends on you. Are you willing to surrender the promise? Are you willing to say, I don't trust in the titles and the bank accounts and the houses and the cars and the relationships and all that stuff? God, you're my provider. And I'm willing to lay all that at the altar because I want you and I trust you. You are God. We're all either in a test season or a trust season in our lives. The question is, does the blessing have your heart or does God still have your heart, friends? Can you surrender? 
Friends, we're gonna move into a time of, of worship. I've asked the worship team to prepare a song and we're gonna, in a moment, we're just gonna open up the altar here just, just to have a time with God to surrender. But I can't preach a message on surrender without giving us all an opportunity to get in relationship with Jesus and surrender our hearts if we have not done that yet. So for any of you that have yet to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, that is the first step. That's the first moment. You can't live a surrender journey without first giving your heart to Jesus, without first surrendering your life to Jesus. So let's just all close our eyes and bow our heads. And if that's you, if you have never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you did at one point, but you feel far away from him and you want to reconnect with him, you know, it's not an accident that you're sitting in this seat. God drew you here. His love has drawn you to this place and he wants to have a beautiful relationship with you. So if that's you, could you raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for? Just beautiful, I see those hands. Beautiful, beautiful. Once I see your hand, you can put it down. Beautiful, hands up all over the room. Praise God, praise God, beautiful. All right, well, we're all gonna pray this prayer together, this prayer of surrender. And those of you that raised your hand, I just want you to just really pray this prayer from your heart. Say, dear God, I surrender my life to you today. I want to have a relationship with you. I choose to make you Lord and Savior in my life. Heaven is my home and God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Welcome to the family of God. All of you who made that first time commitment, it is the best decision you could ever make in your whole life. I just wanna personally welcome you into our family, the family of God. So now we're gonna move into a time of worship. And the ministers aren't gonna come up because I really want this to just be an opportunity for us to encounter God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega. I have been just praying all week and I know he's reassured, reassured me so many times that he will meet us at this place. He will meet us at this altar, that heaven will move, that miracles, signs, and wonders. As we come forward and surrender, whatever's been on your heart, if the Holy Spirit's just been speaking to you, anything, a person, a problem, a promise, whatever God's been putting on your heart that you need to surrender this morning, I just want to encourage you. We're going to sing this song. I'm going to jump up the stage and get on this altar. And let's just worship God. Let's turn our eyes to Him in faith. And by faith, we receive the promise. By faith, we receive the miracle. Let's take it away, team. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.